Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero of the Day with Dr. Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with Seize the Wisdom, Insight, Empowerment, and Liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and helping you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminated journey. There's several ways you can do so. <clears throat> We are live on Facebook, so you can tune in live on Facebook uh, on Pastor Zero, Pastor Lorenzo Neal Zero Network. I I should have opened it on my personal page like I usually did, but I didn't. Uh, so if you're listening, you can join us there. And um, uh, let's see, where else? Um, oh, yeah, of course, we're live on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, slash zero today so you can tune in there and listen live and if you want to join in on the journey on the dialogue the number is 347-237-5230 that's 347-237-5230 that is the number to call to get your thoughts your dialogue your commentary <clears throat> on the air excuse me um also so that's the way you can tune in uh um we're on social media. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we invite you to follow us on Twitter. The show handle is at Zera Radio, Z-E-R-A Radio. And, of course, my handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal on Twitter, so follow me there. Um, so we invite you to join us there and on all our social media uh, networks. We're glad that you're tuning in this morning and want to talk this morning about uh, a very, very that deals with uh, pastoral ministry, and if you know me, I'm passionate about ministry. Having been in ministry now nearly 30 years, I am very passionate about what I do and what others do. Who, who are my colleagues in ministry, my co-laborers in the gospel? I'm very passionate about them, and uh, there's a lot going on in the lives of pastors that people don't know about and um i believe we need to address some of that and we we last week we talked about the dark side of leadership acknowledging it and overcoming it today we're gonna uh 
add on to that, we're going to go further into that discussion as we talk about the dark side of leadership with ministry passion that ends up to ministry futility or futility in ministry. So we're going to talk about that. There's a lot of other things I want to talk about before we get into that. Uh, I feel bad for all you northerners, <laughs> all you folk up north. Man, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you because I got to tell you, y'all dealing with some temperatures up there. And, you know, it's it's 30 some here. It's in the 30s and we cold down south. <laughs> Yesterday, we uh, we were expecting uh, Monday night, uh, overnight, we were expecting some harsh winter weather. And here in some parts of Mississippi, we did get some snow here in Jackson, Mississippi. We got a light powder of snow. I woke up on yesterday morning to see my my yard covered with snow, but it wasn't you know wasn't enough. It was just light powdering, <laughs> but it was twenty something degrees, and schools were shut down, <laughs> schools were closed, businesses were you know opening up late because it was anticipated to be a just just a horrific day. Uh, as far as winter weather. So we were under winter weather advisory yesterday. And I wake up today and I find out that there are temperature, there are cities in the north in Minnesota, Minnesota that's like 25 below. In Chicago, I believe they're 12 below. I'm like, oh my God. I have never, ever seen a negative in front of a temperature sign living in the south. <laughs> I have never seen it, and I hope I never see it, because that would be hell freezing over, literally. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm joking. I'm joking, but it's a serious matter. Those persons, I, I know y'all up north are probably used to it. Y'all probably used to it, but, man, y'all can have that weather. Y'all can have that weather. <laughs> but I do pray for those organizations, those churches that are ministering to those persons who have uh, disadvantaged by this weather. They may be homeless. They may be elderly. They may be children in homes without electricity because that is their lot of children. Uh, without electricity, there be homes where whose furnaces may not be working properly. And I, I, I want to pray for those persons, those organizations, those churches that are providing care to people in distress during this winter, y'all really winter weather. So I pray for them. I pray that you, Lord, would just meet the needs and give provide the resources to them. The people who need coats, if you if you have it, please go out give coats, give blankets, give clothes. Uh, you know, layers of clothes are needed for this this kind of weather. So I, 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 you know, I, I do pray that it passes quickly, that uh, the storm passes quickly and the cold passes quickly. Here in the South, we know we only get about four weeks, <laughs> literally, just about. Uh, uh, we only have winter for about four to five weeks, maybe six weeks max, and that's dispersed between December and uh, I the latter part of February. Uh, sometimes the cold is. Too cold here until February. Sometimes, uh, other times you may experience early. But I, I'm, I'm bad. But I'm, I'm kind of rubbing it in. We, we, I take the heat any day. <laughs> that the cold. 
<laughs> but the Lord bless you, those of you who are there in um in the northern part of the country, you know, Washington D.C., Chicago, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, all those areas, wherever you may be, Alaska, Washington, uh, California, Northern California. We just pray for you. I heard it's even cold in Kentucky. And so y'all, y'all ain't mad at you. But I don't want to be here. <laughs> Listen, also, you are in the Jackson metropolitan area. I personally invite you to come to New Bethel African Methodist Church, 202 Decatur Street in Jackson, Mississippi. This coming Saturday, uh, February the 2nd, we will be hosting a community health fair. We are partnering with Heinz, Heinz Behavioral Health System, and we're going to be doing a holistic health fair. So they're going to be looking at your physical, your mental, and we'll be doing the spiritual. <laughs> so we're uh, putting all that. I'm sorry, my sinuses are really acting up, and um, I'm trying not to blow my nose. We're doing this live stream. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep my composure. So bear bear with me. You know this weather. You know for those of you who have sinuses, you know how it is and how easy it shakes up. But anyway, so I want to take the time out to invite you to New Bethel this coming Saturday, uh, February the second. From 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., we will be here at New Bethel with uh, persons, with uh, staff members from Heinz Behavioral Health Center. We'll be offering um, free wellness checks up, checkups. We'll be offering free mental health screenings. Uh, there will be mental health professionals on site. Uh, there will also be guest speakers, and we'll be dis- we're discussing topics that involve around mental health and health care, health and wellness. So uh, tell your friends, tell your loved ones to come out this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at New Bethel. I, I'm looking forward to it. This is being sponsored by our Sons of Alice Men's Ministry. The men of the church uh, have put this together in an effort to help our young men address some very critical issues. And I've spoken about this before uh, on Facebook Live. Never have I done it on the show but uh, I believe part of the issue that uh, young black men are experiencing uh, leading to such aggression and rage is this un, uh, they're unaware of themselves. And so they, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of emotional things that's going on with them. And there are several factors that contribute to that. But uh, I believe if we address the mental wellness of these young black men, young black boys, We'll see less crime. That's just it's just part of. It. That's not whole. That's not the total answer, but it's part of it. So we want to be a positive uh, part of the interaction. So um, uh, that's it. Uh, I'm typing something. Uh, uh, give me a second here. Um, I because I didn't do the live stream um, on my personal page. I'm having issues trying to trying to share this thing here. So anyway, I'll figure it out. But uh, we're glad that you are tuning in. 
Again, we invite you to join us weekday, Wednesdays, <laughs> weekday, Wednesdays at 11 o'clock. We're a little delayed today. We apologize for that. But uh, we usually do Wednesdays at 11 o'clock. And we will be getting into this topic because I may not do a full hour-long broadcast today, but uh, I do want to uh, get into this discussion. Uh, I've been disturbed reading some headlines recently. Uh, I like to read the Christian Post. It's one of the leading headline uh, Christian news outlets. Excuse me. One of the leading Christian uh, news outlets, the ChristianPost.com. Uh, so I go there to get updates of what's happening around the world regarding the church. And um, I learned of one pastor resigning, and because of his departure, his abrupt departure, the church is now closing. Then of another pastor who took his own life. And so, um, Pastor Jim, um, what's Jim's name? Hold on. Jim Howard, who pastored in California, uh, committed suicide. And Pastor Davey Blackburn of Indianapolis left his church. And, and both of them are very, very interesting case studies of people who are passionate for ministry, but that passion leads to futility, emptiness. And uh, I draw inspiration from this largely from reading Ecclesiastes. And when you read the Ecclesia, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, the book of wisdom, uh, purported to have been written by King Solomon, you find where he talks a lot about vanity, how life is vanity, and the word vanity can be uh, transliterated as uh, futile, as 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 of nothing, as void, you know, foolish, and empty, and that is that is the theme, at least uh, from some some uh, commentators. That's the theme. That's the generalized theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. You have a man. Who has come to the end of his life Who is now uh, Facing uh, Facing death And he has He has concluded That a vast majority of his life Could have been better But he spent it like He spent it life He spent his life Accumulating things Accumulating uh, women And not living A a totally fulfilled life. He had a passion for what he did and, and as a king and as a leader. He had a passion. But that passion led to futility. And I believe that a lot of, a lot of pastors experience this passion that leads to futility. I personally have experienced it. Um, John, uh, what's the guy's name? St. John of the Cross, I believe, uh, wrote about the dark night of the soul. There's another author, I cannot think of his name right now, who wrote uh, about the dark night of the soul. And I've personally experienced several dark nights (laughs) of the soul. And I have seen ministry fatigue 
uh, take me on. And I'm glad that I was I was strengthened by the Lord and strengthened by uh, my fellow co-laborers who were able to encourage me and um, pour into me when I was when I had poured out and I was pretty much empty. Um, but they poured into me and I was able to I was able to come out of that those dark nights. But there are some pastors, there's some ministers who never do. And that passion leads to futility and it can and that is expressed in several ways. It's not just expressed in death. Sometimes it is it is expressed in sexual immorality and that everything that comes with that including pornography, adultery, fornication, uh, all kinds of things, you know, that we would say would be sexually inappropriate, morally inappropriate. So sexual immorality is one of that. Uh, addictions, gambling, drinking. Uh, I don't want to say marijuana. <laughs> Some folks would say marijuana is addicting. I'm, I'm quite sure it is. Uh, it is an addiction. It is a drug in that sense that it can be addictive, but it can also lead to other drugs, such uh, drug use, cocaine, crack, heroin, uh, methamphetamine, uh, all of these other things. So any any form of addiction, whatever it may be. Um, but it can also lead to abuse, spousal abuse, um, church abuse. It can lead... It can lead, I mean, it can be expressed in several different ways. And when it is expressed, it's usually has topped out. You know, it has already gone the part where folk have, you know, they've come to the end of the rope. And in the case of Pastor Howard, it's it ends up in suicide. In the case, and here's, here's a a very terrifying statistic. In the last eight to thirteen years, in the last eight to thirteen years, nearly sixty pastors, prominent pastors, have committed suicide. Think about that for a moment. Now, statistically, that's a large number. When you know, when you condense it and you see it, it is is statistically large, it's very significant. Broadly within the sphere of humans, uh, um, uh, of a uh, population is small, but within the uh, within the uh, context of pastoral ministry is very very large, and that's the problem, because you're having pastors who are running, operating on fumes, and they're basically on empty, and they're burning out, and they have no way of getting out. You know, some are fortunate to be able to take sabbatical. And then in taking sabbatical, they realize, okay, you know, I've done what I'm supposed to do, so I wouldn't go back to ministry. I won't go back to ministry. I, 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 I burnt, you know, it's taken such a toll on me emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually that I don't want to go back to ministry. And then there are those who don't have the opportunity to have a sabbatical. They are forced in so many ways to keep up the act to keep up the impression that they are strong persons and they may not have anybody to assist them in ministry. You know, one of the biggest things that I face in my ministry is that I don't have 
assisted clergy. I don't. I have uh, retired clergy who come in occasionally and assist me when I need to. You know, if I have to go out, and they'll fill in for me. But I don't have. You know, I, I've been to. Uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt my flow of thought, but I've been to churches and they're like, there's the pastor and then there's like. 14, 15 other assistants, uh, you know, <laughs> in the pulpit. <laughs> and they're just there. And they don't get to preach. And when they get to preach, y'all know how. You ever see the, the, the assistant preacher preach? When they get that opportunity, they got a show out. So their sermon is going to be an hour and a half long. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Hi, April. I see you. Thank you for joining. Uh, I'm exaggerating, but that is the truth. It really is. It really is the truth. They get that once they get, because I've been there, you know, you don't preach, you may get to preach once every two, three months or once a quarter, and you're just excited. You, you got to show everything that you know in one sermon. <laughs> I don't have that luxury of having uh, assistance. Uh, so I, I usually I am, I am preaching 48, uh, 44 to 48 weeks out of the year. Which means I only get about, I don't get, uh, I'm not throwing shots, April, I'm not throwing shots, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying there's a lot of preachers who, you know, they they waiting for their turn. <laughs> um, so about 44 to 48 weeks out of the year, I am preaching. Um, and that takes a toll. It takes a, it takes a toll mentally because, you know, you, you have to prepare you have to spend time uh, working your craft, designing your sermon, studying, and making sure that you are internally prepared to present it. And once you present it, you know, once you're preaching, it takes a lot of energy out of you, you know, especially if you're preaching in the black church. It takes a lot of energy to preach in the black church, uh, even to teach. those, Even those preachers, those pastors who don't raise their voice and they teach like, dear let me present you this. Here's point one. I want to make point two. I want to make. It's still it's aware on the mind and the body, you know. But those of us who like to tune up every now and then, every now and then, you know, uh, whew, you sweat. I I find myself sweating every now and then, and and I don't be intending. I don't intend to preach as hard as I do sometimes, but I do. And then when I get home from the church. I'm the first person to arrive at the church and usually the last person to leave. And on some Sundays, when I get to the house, I'm down. I'm down for the count. I'm down for the count. And I had uh, one very, very wise elder tell me, pastor tell me, said, Neil, this is what I used to do when I was pastoring and when I was presiding elder. Uh, Sundays, when I come home, I don't do nothing. If I don't have a program to preach at, if I don't have to go to a program, even if I'm invited and I want to go, I make the acknowledgement that I would like to go, but if my body is just not there, I ain't going. And I have started to appropriate that in in my uh, pastoral ministry. And so, I mean, I would come home, and sometimes I get on the couch and we'll be able to get up. Other times, I don't even get on the couch. I just come home, get undressed, and get straight in bed. Turn the lights off and just go to sleep. I, and sometimes it's a good time, you know. Sometimes I I sleep very well. Uh, but there are a lot of pastors who are similar to me. They don't have a staff. They don't have extra help. 
and they have to put out all of that energy. Now, if you imagine you're putting a industry into energy into church administration, you're putting energy into uh, pastoral care and counseling, where you're praying for your pastor, praying for your members, and visiting the sick and shutting in and all of that, and you're putting care into uh, preaching, you know, studying, as I stated before, that's a lot of time. And add to that, if you're bivocational, if you are a bivocational minister, means you have to do all of the above in addition to working a full-time job. Then add to that, if you have a family, if you you have a wife and children, especially young children, can you imagine the stress that you uh, you? I I I I pray constantly for my brothers and sisters who are newly married in ministry, who uh, have young children. In ministry and our bivocational in ministry, I pray for them. I pray even for those who uh, have grandchildren that they look after, who are in ministry, because it is so burdensome. It is very burdensome. I kind of got it easy because it's just me and my dog. <laughs> but you know, I I I. I the stress is the same, even though I do not have the the same um, degree of stress as those, as I stated earlier, who are married with children, young children, those who are bivocational, those who are, uh, I forgot about those who are in school, you know, and pastoring. You know, I, t- let me tell you, when I was in school working on my doctorate, matter, matter of fact, <laughs> I've been pastoring, and I have been in school consistently since I've been pastoring. From seminary, I was in seminary and grad school at the same time uh, between 99 and 2002, uh, or 2004. Uh, I was in seminary and grad school at the same time. Go to, I, I was a graduate teaching assistant in the University of Arkansas at Little Rock in the day, and then in the evening, I crossed the river and go over to Jackson's Theological Seminary in North Little Rock in the evening for class, and it was really tough because I was I was I was married at the time, I was pastoring at the time, didn't have reliable transportation all the time, and there were times I've had to I literally would catch the bus from the university over to the seminary, wouldn't have a ride home, and hoping that one of the students or a couple of the professors who lived close by me would drop me off at home, and you know they did that, they they did do that. It's tough. And so there are a lot of people, a lot of people in ministry who have passion. And there's nothing wrong with having passion. As a matter of fact, I, I love the fact that people have passion because that helps me, you know, that helps them know who they are, what they, you know, that they have a purpose for what they're doing. I, uh, man, I don't know y'all can see it, but I hope you can't see it, but, you know, the sign is stunning. Draining and so when I get home later on today, I ain't got nothing else to do. I don't believe I have anything else to do. I'm making me a hot toddy. <laughs> I got I got some brown liquor already on hand. I don't drink it. The only reason I keep brown liquor uh, is because I know this season is coming, and when the when the fall you know transition from summer to fall. My sinuses act up then, and then the transition from fall to winter, sinuses act up even worse. So, you know, I'm glad I just hit, it hadn't turned into an infection or upper respiratory issue or bronchitis because the last two years 
that was my problem, you know. Anyway, I digress. So I, I keep I keep brown liquor on hand to make me some good hot toddies. Brown liquor, honey, and lemon juice and lemon I actually would buy lemons. Man, shoo. And 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 I, that clear me up. matter of fact, some Sundays, uh not too long ago, a couple Sundays I couldn't preach it, man. Cleared that right up. <laughs> I was sober. I was sober. I still was able to preach. <laughs> <laughs> no slurring. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, almost lost my train of thought. Um, it is very, it is very wearing on the individual. When a person has passion about something, they they want to put all of their person into what they're passionate about, and that's great. I mean, when I was young. In ministry, I had such a zeal, and I, I was so passionate about ministry, especially when I was about 15 and 16. Uh, I was so passionate of ministry. I, I would literally stand on the street corners, and I'd be preaching. <laughs> I'd be preaching. I was preaching at school. I, you know, every you every revival I preached at, I was so passionate. And my grandfather he tells me to this day, he said, I was so passionate that I was holding church in the house and trying to get my brothers converted. Which is true, I was. <laughs> I was the kid, I was the kid that was the evangelist for the church because I was bringing you with me to church. You, you were coming to Sunday school with me, you come to vacation Bible school with me, and my relatives joke with me today, uh, at my grandmother's repast, they would joke and say, yeah, little Pee Wee, that's what they call me, little Pee Wee, he, he would always be talking about church, and he'd be bringing everybody to church, and you know, I was like, I didn't know any better, I, I was just that passionate, I was even more passionate than I, as I got into my 20s, you know, and and I was really pastoring, you know, I I, I got my own church, <laughs> I talked about that last time. And so I really was passionate then. And that passion rolled over into what I do in my community outreach and, uh, you know, the mentoring and the uh, activism and engagement, social engagement that I do. It's passionate that fuels that. But I also have come to recognize that that same passion is can be deadly. That same passion that fuse what I do as a pastor, what as I, what I do as is an activist, if you want to call it that, what I do, that same passion can also be very destructive. If not channeled properly, it can be very destructive. It can cause you to become cannibalistic on yourself because you begin to devour the very thing that you need for, for self-empowerment, which is you, you know, that passion should be driving you. But if, if, if all of your energy is going out and you're not bringing anything else in, you're not repleting that energy, what happens is it becomes futile. You run out and you begin to see what you're doing through a, a lens of futility. In other words, what you see, what you do, becomes worthless, valueless, empty. And you begin you begin to wonder and say, why in the world am I doing this? I don't see anything happening. I don't see people changing. And you become like Jonah. You, you don't want people to repent. 
You don't you don't want people to be benefiting from God's blessing. You you become just basically excoriated with I don't even know if I use that word right. <laughs> you 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 get you get angry at the fact that God uses you to change people's lives. You get angry at the fact that you're doing something and you don't see immediate results. You see results, but they don't come when you want them to come, or if they do come when you want them to come, that it, it's just you know it's still insatiable to a degree. And a lot of preachers get to that place earlier than they think. A lot of preachers get to that place earlier than they think. It doesn't take long for passion to run out. It doesn't take long for futility to set in. And while I was joking about assistant pastors just moments ago, um, the reality is a lot of those persons have high ambition, and there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. I was ambitious. I still am ambitious. I still have aspirations. You should always have aspirations. As long as you are breathing, you should have aspirations for something. You should have aspirations for something as long as you are breathing. But that aspiration needs to be coupled with humility and grace. And I'm, I'm talking about the grace of the Lord, but as well as your own grace, realizing that you must be gracious to those who you are serving under and serving with or leading. You have to be gracious. And it's very it's very important that you, you understand that. But there are a lot of persons who are waiting in the wings, you know, their ambition oftentimes get the better of them, and they can no longer wait. So what they do is they launch out on their own. And I almost did that. I, I did. I almost did that. I almost launched out on my own because I was very ambitious. And I'm grateful for uh, the mentors that I had who kind of helped me, you know, you know, brought me back in and said, look, man, you ain't ready yet. Yeah, you might know a whole lot, but you, just because you know don't mean you're ready. And even as I began pastoral ministry, uh, my my one of my mentors kept me close. He helped me understand that it ain't all that you think it is. It really, and I learned it really wasn't, and it isn't. Um, and so those persons who are waiting in the wings, they can develop futility quickly if they don't believe this. If, if they don't think their time is coming, if they don't ever see it. Um, because they have a passion And if you're for example If you come to my church And serve at my church um, You can have passion But there may not be a lot for you to do that's, And that's just the reality Of where I serve There's a lot going on But there's not always a lot to do So you may be relegated to teaching church school Or teaching Bible study And you may want to do more And I have to tell you You know you can create it, and we can see if it'll work. And if it works, then run with it. You know, the Lord will bless you, and I will bless you if it's needed. But us, aside from that, you know, there's not much to do. I serve in the in the church that I currently serve. You know, we have a lot of seniors and elders, elders, and so we, you know, the ministry that we do 
is relegated to meet their need, you know, and we're trying to open up where we are having a broader sphere and we're having more people come in, young adults and uh, children. And so as the need increases, you know, then, you know, there'll be plenty to do. And I'm, I'm praying it happens. But uh, they, those persons who have ambition and they don't see the desire that they have coupled with the des- ambition that they have coming to fruition quickly enough, it can work for them if they're humble, if they're humble and they're patient, or it can work against them if it's driving them to the point that they say, well, I'll just do it somewhere else, or I'll just do it on my own. And it may not be ordained for them to do it. And even if it's successful, if uh, you know, I've seen efforts, and I'm trying not to insert myself into this too much. Please, please forgive me. Uh, I, I'm not trying to make this about B. I'm just these are some observations that I observed, and I'm as I recall them, I'm um, I'm articulating them and presenting them. Um, but there've been there I've seen where there've been ministers who have launched their own thing, and it was highly successful. Highly successful in initiation, in, in initial launching, setup, and uh, the short term. But then fatigue took on. Fatigue came in, and quicker and sooner than they thought. And because that happened, you know, it it ended. Um, or scandal took in, or something. You know, futility, as I articulated it earlier, uh, took in. And uh, that's that's the thing we don't teach in seminary. That's the that's the thing is really not taught in seminary. It's the thing is really not taught uh, by pastors to those those preachers that they are mentoring or that they are uh, uh, you know serving as that serve as their assistants. You know, and it's 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 sad. A lot of these a lot of these preachers. A lot, and I'm, I'm speaking in generalizations, you know, generalized uh, thing. But the, the they they want to be successful. They want because of now social media allows them to be able to uh, exploit themselves sooner than than at earlier time. You know, they can create a, a whole ministry online, and in it. You know, it blows up. You know, it could have thousands of followers within a couple of months, or you know, or <laughs> not even years. Sometimes, you know, if you 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 do it right, you can have within about months, or you can buy them. I I understand you can buy you can buy followers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. But um, it leads to fertility, leads to burnout. And let me go back to. The two pastors that I mentioned, and I also um, throw in John Gray in here. Throw in, throw in John Gray because um, he admitted having thoughts of suicide after uh, um, revelations of his infidelity or whatever it may be. You know, we're uncertain because there's been no evidence to it, whatever it may be. Uh, you know. He admitted that he had thoughts of suicide, that but that he did not uh, attempt it, as some were reporting that he attempted suicide. He, he stated explicitly that he did not attempt suicide, but he had got to the point where the thoughts were there, and he 
he um, wished upon himself death. But but uh, the reality is that pastoral ministry is tough in and of by itself. By itself, pastoral ministry is tough. I don't know of any pastor, especially one who's been pastoring for at least a decade, um, be it at their own church or an established church, who has not faced the challenge of questioning the futility of their ministry, why they do what they do. And in some cases, it could be very, very empowering. It could be relieving. It could be uh, sobering when they actually say, okay, this is why I do what I do. I do this because I have been affected or I've been impacted or such and such. Or I do this because I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I want people to be, be better. I want people to live their better life or something, you know, whatever it may be. But the ultimate thing is how will this affect them? Will will they end up as the writer in Ecclesiastes basically contemplating the emptiness of their existence and the emptiness of their life, the emptiness of their ministry? Or will they be empowered by it and say, uh, why art thou cast down on my soul? Put your hope in God. The pastor, Jim Howard, California, who took a gun and killed himself. The family stated that he wrestled with mental health issues for a long time. And for, for whatever reason, he could not or he did not seek out help. Uh, he relegated himself to prayer, fasting, and the support of the church. The other pastor, Pastor uh, Blackburn, his wife and unborn child were killed in uh, home um, home break-in. And he had to deal with that and the emotional trauma that accompanied that along with his ministry. And he remarried. He remarries. And the scar of that death and his ministry still troubled him. In addition to uh, the revelation that the ministry had not been faithful stewards or good stewards of the finances. And he stepped down abruptly from leading the church. And because of his abrupt departure, uh, church leadership came together and, and they said, look, we can't, we can't keep the church going. He hadn't even begun a week. And they say, we can't keep the church going because we, we haven't been faithful stewards. We have not stewarded the resources that God had provided to us through tithes and offerings and all of that. And because of such, we can no longer sustain this ministry. So they voted dissolve the church. That's a hard decision to make. And think about, again, these are thousands of people who have been impacted by the loss of this, you know, the church dissolving and the pastor committing suicide. Thousands of people affected by this. The emotional effect and the spiritual effect and the questioning, the questioning of why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow a man 
who lost his wife to lose control of church spending. You know, they didn't, according to report, they didn't spend it, you know, any you know, appropriately. They just weren't managing it correctly, you know, and because they weren't managing it correctly, their debts were greater than their, their income, you know, you know, whatever the matter was. And so the church saw the, the, the leaders like, it's futile for us to continue. We, why would we continue when we know that, you know, membership is declining, people are leaving because he's gone and, you know, what's the use? And with the pastor who committed suicide, and over the years, as I stated, dozens of pastors have have committed, have taken their own lives. And the question is, why would God allow the person to experience such dread? I I I I I've experienced the dread of human existence more than I care to admit. And even in the darkest moments, when those just like John Gray, when those moments of thoughts were there, you know. You know, and you get captured in the emotional aspect of the moment uh, of life and the existential crisis that you are experiencing, and you want to give up. I, I know what it's like, but that would that leads to people saying all of it is futile. When I spoke at the Black Nonbelievers uh, anniversary. Um, Five, uh, not five years ago, their fifth anniversary in 2016. I was the only Christian there. Well, I, I think that was not the only Christian there. I was the only pastor there, definitely. But there were a lot of former preachers, uh, clergy, who had left the church for various reasons and are now either agnostic or atheists, the non-theists. And when I was listening to and interacting with a lot of them, a lot of and uh, one very good friend of mine, uh, <laughs> and this brother, uh, this brother is so bad. He's, I mean, bad in a good way. And, you know, I was like, man, why did you leave the church? You're such an asset. <laughs> you're, you're an asset to the black community. You're an asset to the church. Why did you... Why did you renounce God? How, how did you renounce God? And why are you, you – he's not exposing preachers per se, but what he is doing is helping others understand how ministry tricks are done. And I guess that's exposing, but, you know, you know, black church is something else. It's full of exposure. <laughs> but I was, I was overtaken by the fact that a lot of these persons who are now non-theists, atheists, uh, were former church people. And a lot of them experienced church hurt. A lot of them experienced uh, very profound moments uh, where they were reading scripture and they were like, I can't believe in this. And it became futility to them. They had passion. They had passion for what they were doing. They had passion for who they were serving. They had passion for, for the church only to see that passion turned into futility, and they say, oh, forget it. I don't care for it. They walk away from it. Oh. Excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry. There are a lot of preachers who are in that moment now afraid to walk away. They are afraid to address it, and they are afraid for whatever reason to um, come out the closet. <laughs> because 
the idea is that they are weak. They're not strong Christians. They are not strong pastors. And, and it's unfortunate they, that they have to experience this in silence. This passion that leads to fertility, they are experiencing it in silence. And even some of their co-laborers uh, won't understand, don't understand it, and some just don't want to understand even if they themselves are speak, experiencing the similar thing or have experienced it, um, it is what it is. I believe we can do better as a church. I believe we can do better as pastors. Um, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, I, I don't mind going to counseling. I am in counseling uh, for a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, I was just kidding, not a lot of stuff. But there were two primary things that I believed were uh, hindering me professionally and interpersonally. Uh, and I wanted to address those directly, and I did not have all the tools to do so. I knew, or at least I had an idea what those things were that were leading to me to, to futility. This, the futility that I was uh, speaking about, these two things were leading me to that space. And I wanted to be proactive. I didn't want to get to the last point, you know, to the point where I had a gun to my head or a bottle of pills in my hand before somebody intervened. I was proactive. And and it has opened up. And even though I'm trained as a therapist, I'm trained as a counselor, you know, I, I again, you know, I I know how to help people get out of these spaces. But I myself realized that, even though I had the tools, I didn't have all the tools. And I'm blessed to find a, a, a wonderful person who is aiding me in that process. Because I was still dealing with a lot of grief that I had not realized I had. And uh, emotional trauma. Not, you know, I had a lot of post-traumatic trauma that I had not addressed. But uh, I'm grateful that I I am um, I, in the care of someone who was very highly skilled and trained and is helping me in that area. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, all I can say is to those pastors who may be struggling with that is that there is a way of escape. There's always a way of escape. There's uh, there there will always be moments of futility. That's something we just cannot change. It is a part of the human uh, experience. You will have moments of futility. But that does not have to be the end. That does not have to be the end. What you can do is connect with brothers and sisters who, who you know have the same passion, that can reignite your reignite your passion and help you find the balance that you need. And uh, uh, it's it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's worth taking up the mantle and taking up the task of putting yourself and saying, okay, I know I have a passion for ministry. I know I have a passion for pastoring. I know I have a passion for all of this, but I don't want that passion to burn me out. 
to overwhelm me to the point of futility. I want to be empowered. And you can be empowered. Stay in the word of God, yes. That's wonderful. Broaden your horizon. One thing, and again, I'm inserting myself in this. One thing I've been doing I, to, to, to find a way of escape, uh, I do read a lot. And I read, of course, I read a lot of academic stuff, and my brain is always going. So to offset that, I start reading more fiction, you know, more fiction books uh, to kind of get my mind, you know, at ease so I won't be processing so much that I don't have to process, you know, <laughs> uh, and to and to just kind of relax. I need to take up another hobby. You know, I keep saying I'm going bowling, and I, I go bowling so infrequently I can't call it a hobby. <laughs> but I, I do go to the gym, and that helps. Getting in the gym and getting that um, the release of energy, releasing releasing those po- positive endorphins, so that you know I'm I'm ready to go, and boom, got that dopamine hit me, and I can function better. Yeah. It's always good. So I get that high when I'm doing it. Uh, so we, we find a way to counterbalance that. Uh, the futility. Because it's going to be there. There be moments when you lose a member, you lose a loved one, you lose... You, uh, <laughs> you may even, in our case, get moved to another church. You may be successful at one, and they say, well, if you're successful at that one, come on, I'm going to switch over into a whole new environment, start all over again. That's, that's tough for us, itinerant clergy. Yeah. But there's a lot. There is a lot more that I wish I had time to address. I just don't have the time to address it. But I want to encourage you. I'm going to write some more about this. Um, but I want to encourage you, those of you who are in ministry, those of you who are watching, uh, uh, listening, uh, get help for one. Keep your passion. Don't stop being passionate about what you're passionate about. And acknowledge to yourself that the futility that you have experienced, you will experience it again. It will happen. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. It comes in cycles. So it's going to happen again. You must just prepare yourself to engage it in a positive way. So that when you know that it's coming, you're proactive. You know you're engaged. You're proactive. You have the tools ready, necessary to to um, to face it. And lastly, get help. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Don't let that futility. Uh, once that passion runs out and it leads to futility, don't let that futility cause you to harm any man or any woman in any capacity. Don't let it come into harm or abuse to your wife, your children, or your church members. Abuse to yourself by way of addictions or anything of that nature. Don't let it harm yourself or anyone else. It doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. For those of you who are on the live, I want to invite you. I do... uh, I do do counseling. I do provide counseling. But uh, I want to invite you to uh, join me. I do intense counseling uh, one-on-one with the self. If you want to know more, if you if you want to better your interpersonal skills, your interpersonal relationships, 
I can help you do that by helping you know yourself and differentiate. I help you become a highly differentiated person and uh, differentiated self. I want to be able to help you do that and connect with me. Uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. So uh, I want to invite you to, uh, again, as stated before, if you're in the Jackson Metro area, come out on Saturday, February 2nd from 9 to 12. We'll be having a community health fair on the campus of New Bethel AME Church in Jackson, 2202 Decatur Street. So we want to invite you to come out. Also, the following week on February the what's the 10th, February the 10th at 11 a.m., our Sons of Allen Men's Ministry will be having uh, the annual uh, Men's Day, and we're excited about that. We want to invite you out to that. Also, I want you to be able to join me, uh, support me, support uh, the work that we do here with Zira, all the work that we do. Um, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. You can be a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal, and uh, you can support there. Also, you can uh, do PayPal, PayPal, uh, me at Lorenzo Neal, uh, yeah, Lorenzo Neal, and uh, you can support us with all we do. We invite you to join us uh, again week Wednesdays, at uh, usually at 11. That's when we try to do it. Um, also, yeah, two of my buddies have books out. Uh, Dr. C.J. Rhodes has a book out. Uh, several principles of leadership. Uh, I want to, I've read that. It's a great book, easy to read. Uh, if you are uh, curious about leadership, if you are a leader, uh, he presents seven principles that you, uh, I believe, are wonderful for you. So go out and buy that book. It's on Amazon, and you can get it in an outlet. Also, my boy Roosevelt Wright has a new book out, and I forgot the name of it just that quick. Uh, and he did a live stream last night about two. Uh, it's his fifth book. And um, I just want to support him. Uh, so you can go out and uh, look him up. Roe White. Roe Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T on Facebook. And you can hit him. He has, man, uh, he and his brothers with the Congo Network. Say, hey, shout out to them. Also, Support me. If you haven't got a copy of my book, A Breach of the Family, uh, go to Amazon.com or my pay, my my site, LorenzoTNeal.com, and you can order a copy of that. Also listen to some sermons and uh, read articles that we have. Uh, there's plenty of us, plenty up there on my site. <laughs> so go out and support. follow us all on social media, on all our outlets. We want to invite you to join us. Um, we'll be doing this again, the Lord wills, next week. Till then, this is Dr. Lorenzo Neal tuning in, tuning out. God bless you. God keep you. I'll holler at you later. Deuces.